0: Glory.
1: Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say glowing, positive things about us on Twitter and Facebook and Vine. Oh, wait. Is that still a thing? This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. Follow us on Twitter at at ClergyLay and join our Facebook discussion group. And if you have trouble joining that, please uh, message Christopher or me on Facebook or Twitter and we will invite you on in. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right, Kirk. Uh, We're having a good week here. My in-laws flew into town yesterday and they're here for a week. Uh, They live in Pennsylvania, so it's always wonderful to welcome them. Isn't it something how much you appreciate having anyone in your life who adores your children? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that's a secret to, to the heart of a parent is if, if you, if you like my kids, if you're nice to my kids, you're, you're cool with me.
1: Oh my gosh. This is so true. Yeah. So true. I so, mean, this is the secret to you as the, the most popular uncle in the history of the universe is you make my children feel like they're the only person there. Yeah. And grandparents are of course great at that.
2: Yes. Well, the reality is I'm a pretty big fan of your kids. So I I miss them and I I love being- And likewise, right back at you. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, Meg, my wife, works every day that they're here except tomorrow. So tomorrow's our day that we will do something. We're not sure what it is. Are we ambitious? Do we want to travel a little bit to go somewhere new? Do we want to go somewhere we're familiar with? But uh, tomorrow's the day- to to have an adventure so maybe i'll update you next week on what it is that we do but then meg works saturday sunday and monday so um i'm excited uh as a as a church we are kind of uh, moving forward in a way we've through the pandemic we have not regathered indoors uh we are a church plant and we actually don't have our own building and uh so uh when, when COVID hit, um, we went to Zoom, and uh, Zoom was a good medium for us. Uh, and, and Kirk mentioned, I think, on the podcast that, they, that as a family, they were able to participate in our Zoom services. And our, our services, uh, part of being a liturgical people is that um, it's participatory, um, where a stream is kind of one way, where it's like, hey, everyone, listen to what the pastor's saying and doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 our services are very participatory. And in fact, what we did was morning prayer, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, um, because morning prayer is especially participatory. And um, our our regular Sunday service is Holy Communion. And um, if if people cannot receive communion. Uh, so in the Roman Catholic Church, um, there is a uh, priest will do mass with or without people. They'll do mass for a purpose. You know, I will say a mass for the, or not I will, but their priests will say, I'm going to say a mass for this thing. But for us, um, the, uh, importance of the mass is, is participation. So I could conquer, consecrate elements uh, for my family to participate, but, but that's, that's kind of not the idea of Holy communion. The idea uh, is of Holy communion is not for a private thing for my family, but in fact, for the community. Yes. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and that's where in in um, this time of social distancing, we've um, certain groups um, just got it wrong. You know, uh, yes, it is the gifts of God for the people of God. Yes, it is um, spiritual uh, food for us that that, that nurtures us. But um, some some people were kind of going on social media and kind of bragging that they got into kind of secret, um, non-public communion services. Yeah secret masses like, yeah yeah they're like oh you know <laughs> it's like oh i got this this special nu- nutrient that no one else got and they, they thought that was great vitamin then, j they got yeah. their vitamin
1: jesus that no one
2: else got yeah and that's totally contrary to the whole idea of, of what happens you know it, it isn't like oh let's see how much i can get um because i can you know uh <laughs> so so uh, people ask you know, can i take communion well more think than about more, the passage more than one-
1: from romans last week
2: we are members one of another yeah Yeah. And people have asked, like, can I take communion more than once in a day? Well, yeah, you can. Um, um, More Jesus is better, Um, but but not kind of like, does that mean that I consecrate communion for myself 20 times a day so that I can, you know, have like Popeye, you know, uh, that is a dated reference, isn't it? Right. Perhaps. So so there's this old comic book or comic character, Popeye, (laughs) who had these big arms, but when he would crack open a can of spinach, he would get super strong.
1: <laughs> and so that's o- oddly, oddly it is. spinach in the 1930s being the most prevalent form of protein.
2: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it was canned <laughs> <of> spinach too. <laughs> right. <laughs> question: Have you ever had canned spinach?
1: Okay, if I have, it, it, it has to have been at least a decade.
2: <laughs> you 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 suppress the memory if
1: you have no. If I it. need if I need to store spinach, I get the frozen kind. Right? right. Cause I know, yeah. I, I think we the way we, what we know about vegetables is like flash freezing them is so much healthier than canning them.
2: Right. Oh yeah. Any, anyhow, I feel like we're maybe straying a little farther afield <laughs> from your original point. <laughs> I mean, this is a Popeye podcast, right? Uh, wait, what? No, but, 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 so the, the idea is uh, we we're talking about just, um, Church of the Resurrection, um, the church that I'm pastor of, and, and, so, and how um, we moved to a service of morning prayer over Zoom. And, and so, so that served us well. Um, but uh, we are a missional people. We want um, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And so as wonderful as, as I mean, we had these awesome prayer times uh, during the prayers of people, during our services, uh, that were really important to, to our community, to our church uh of, of people of, of intercessory prayer and just all sorts of prayer that was happening that was that was great um but but it, it was time after maybe eight weeks of zoom we moved to uh, live streaming a service and then we moved to a hybrid service where we would live stream the the readings and the sermon and then meet in the park for the prayers of the people and holy communion this, uh, last month we would meet in the park for the whole service and uh, unfortunately, the parks are pretty competitive as far as reserving pavilion spaces. Mm, uh, yeah. Everyone's trying to do outside stuff. And I'm not saying churches. I'm saying everybody period, yeah, yeah. yeah. families are like, "Hey, let's do a family reunion outside, you know, at, at a park. And so we we bounced from park to park, and uh, we're the only church now, now I know this has like been happening forever elsewhere, but we are the only church. In the month of September, that is meeting um, at a brewery. Um, we're meeting on the back patio of Remedy Brewing Company. Um, and what I'm excited about is is it's, it's it'll be a great place for us to have open air services that's covered, and we'll have good Wi-Fi, and it's uh, so we can stream the service to those who, who can't come or who aren't comfortable coming. Um, but also, it's it's the same place that we can gather and, and not be like, well, which park are we in? So, so I I'm uh, very excited about this weekend for that to be our first. First service uh, yeah that's great and uh the kids in the full swing at school kids are in full swing um, so they had just one day last week uh because they split the first day uh split schools in half for the first day and had half the students come thursday half come friday so they went thursday they had friday off and then they had four days this week um and they are in the swing of things yeah that's great i am I, um, I, I love and i marvel at children's
1: infinite adaptability yeah. <laughs> um, all the adults i know particularly all the teachers i know are stressed out and and worried and paranoid and paranoid and hypochondriacal uh, about the situation and kids like my, my children like the mask they're just they're yeah it's yeah. not a thing to them anymore yeah. like they're fine um i mean our, our schools are, are all marked up and the kids like the lunch has been radically altered breakfast has been radically altered and the kids are already, they're there, they're <laughs> on board. Yeah, so that's, that's a, it's, it's beautiful how infinitely adaptable children are. So I'm glad to hear that yours, yours are in swing. Um, this has been my first week uh, with students. And this is the most interesting year uh, as a teacher that I've ever had. Um, and so I, uh, I, I, I like to th- think of myself, not, if not as a, as a techie, as someone that at least keeps up and is capable. And so I've, I've always been the guy uh, at work that other teachers come to when they want to try something uh, new technologically or when they want something fixed or troubleshot technologically. And, uh, and I have to admit this week, um, this week I've been, it's been all I can do to, to kind of um, <laughs> not let the classroom grind to a halt because uh, we've gone back five days a week, full students with um, full CDC guidelines so masking, social distancing, uh, sanitizing uh, seats before, at the beginning, at the, at the end of class, all of that. Um, and also we have a virtual option for students that feel like they have someone immunocompromised in the home. And so I'm using Google Meet and I'm simulcasting <laughs> into oh living rooms all across the district. And um, and uh, there it's, it's just interesting kind of. I, I got to keep an eye on the camera, make sure I'm in the camera space. I don't, because I, I've got lots of nervous energy. I kind of walk the classroom, pace the classroom, but I, A, I've got to be careful of that with the distancing and then B, like I'm just walking out of the camera space <laughs> when I'm teaching and doing that. So, uh, it's been, it's been a, kind of a, I don't want to say high stress week, but like a highly focused high energy week. Uh, and yet I have to say, um, it has been such a blessing to have some sort of return to normalcy. It's good to teach, and it's good to be back in the classroom. Yeah, and fall is—I can tell—fall is upon us, Christopher. I sent you pictures and videos of the end of our baseball game tonight, um, and uh, sun in Western Pennsylvania is now officially setting before eight p.m., which means getting our six p.m. game wrapped up is uh, is a little bit rough. And Christopher, did you see the uh, the mist rolling in as the sun I was sure setting? Did. It was like the field of dreams. So. Yes. I don't know, listeners, where you are if Autumn is starting to tap on your shoulder, but um, I, I had that a little bit tonight here as, as the mist rolled in from center field in the, yeah, the bottom it, of the it, final it, inning.
2: It totally depends on where you are. You know, we have listeners in, in the South, in Texas. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, September I, is know,
1: not an autumn month in any meaningful sense. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yes. Shall we, uh, shall we look at our gospel, Christopher? let's do it let's look at the gospel reading
2: This week's gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. The word of the lord thanks be to god so we uh, jump forward a little bit here uh, yeah (laughs) from chapter 16 all the way to 18 and not the beginning of 18 but but the middle of 18 and and so matthew 18 uh, just to get a sense of where we are it's it's the the fourth of five of these pretty big teaching blocks in the gospel of matthew and uh it's about personal relationships within the kingdom of God. And uh, chapter 10, as we look back, is about the outward orientation of the kingdom. So that's where Jesus sends out the 12 with instructions. And he talks about how, how hey, just, you know, it's not going to be all roses. Persecution's going to come. Fear nothing. Uh, remember, I came to bring a sword, you know, not peace. And then um, talks about people, people who receive, uh, receive him, just kind of preparing people for the outward. Uh, component of ministry chapter 18 where we are today is concerned with internal relationships inside of the kingdom so uh, the the chapter opens talking about humility where the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest and as an example jesus looks out and he he singles out a a little child and in those days children were of, of no account Yes, yes I
1: understand that the Victorians invented childhood the way we think of it, right? Like children yeah. is cute and the thing to lavish gifts upon, and they're, you know, you don't work children; they play, right? Children were just small. Like
2: if they could work, they would work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and even think about um, uh, David. Uh, <laughs> so maybe, right. So yeah, the firstborn son. It's like, oh, well, this is the this is the the worthwhile one. And then finally they go through all of Jesse's sons and they get to uh, like the second to last. I don't even remember who it was, right. but they're like, same as like, uh, do you have any others? They're like, Oh, just David, you know, <laughs> like he's, he's probably being killed by a, a lion or, <laughs> or a bear. We don't really care about him. Um, and so we, anytime we see in the gospels, um, Jesus kind of point out uh, children, it's kind of shocking, you know, right. where, 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 uh, the, the disciples try to keep the children away, and he's like, no, no, no. Let the children come to me. I mean, this is significant when Jesus does these things. And so mm-hmm. um, in, in, this, in this point um, where they're arguing about who's greatest, Jesus points to a child, shocking everybody, <laughs> and saying, uh, greatness is found here. Unless mm-hmm. you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You who are squabbling about who's the greatest, you don't get it. This kid, this kid, the, the kingdom of heaven is for children. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he teaches about humility. Uh, in So that's verses 1 through 4, 5 and 6. Um, is about welcome, about uh, welcoming those that society deems insignificant. And uh, I'm actually going to be preaching on the reading from Romans this Sunday. Romans. So uh, we had the, the great reading from Romans last week, Romans 12, 1 through 8. Awesome. Um, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Um, you and I talked about how lovely that has been for both you and me in our lives. Yes. It's beautiful. Uh, and, and so, but the next verses come this week, starting verses nine. And um, there are these exhortations um, to the kingdom of like how we treat each other. And, and so uh, Paul writes to, about hospitality. He says, seek to show hospitality. And we've got hospitality all wrong in our, in our culture. We think it means throwing a really good dinner party for your friends. Well, what the word actually means is, is welcoming the stranger as if the stranger were one of your own. And, and kind of incorporating someone who's not part of your family as if they were part of your family. And Christians, we do this as a lifestyle. We should welcome outsiders as if they're insiders. And then Jesus goes on. Again, these are all interior uh, teachings. Avoid stumbling blocks. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And then Jesus talks about lost sheep, um, and and we see th- uh, this teaching in Luke uh, in, in Luke 15 with this series of three lost things, and they actually have different, slightly different focuses. But that's you'll have to wait two years for us to talk about that. <laughs> uh, and then we get to uh, verse 15, which talks about um, the reality of life in the church. This reality that. Conflicts happen. Mistakes are made. Feelings are hurt. That's just part of life in community. Kirk, if you want my advice, I would say not to offend a brother or sister. And I don't mean a literate. I don't mean me. I mean, anyone, um, in the church, it would, it's better to avoid that. The proverbs, the proverbs say a brother offended is more unyielding or harder to win back. Right. than a fortified city and quarreling is like bars of a castle. And, and what that uh, wisdom is, is just like, if you can at all avoid it, do, do your best. Be, and so like in, in the epistles, uh, you know, we see uh, the, the advice, be, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because it's much harder to resolve conflict than to not have a conflict at all. Well, you know what? This is interesting, right? This is not a popular
1: virtue right now. The name of this virtue is tact, mm. Right. Um, and, uh, we, we have common sayings in American English, like quote, I tell it like it is, or I'm I'm just saying, I'm just (laughs) saying, which that's, uh, that's unchristian, right? That is not, Mm. you're, you're appealing to the opposite virtue, which is tact, which Mm. is sometimes you oughtn't to tell it like it is, but choose your words quite carefully.
2: Yeah. 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 And, and the reality is, is that, um, churches are filled with criticism and gossip you know and, and that's an issue is is that i've got a problem with with jim and instead of talking to jim who do i go to well i go to joe not, not jim <laughs> not i go to anybody else and i'm like Ugh. and we and we think that like it's virtuous to be like well i'm just kind of instead of like actually being confrontational and being a jerk about it i'm just actually just maybe feeling things out no no no, no you're being you're you are not doing the right thing by going to someone else uh, So, so how do we deal with this? Uh, This, this here is a clear guide. So people even talk about Matthew 18. Oh, these are principles of of dealing with, with conflict with issues. So uh, what do we do with criticism? If we have a problem with somebody, we should not gossip. We Hmm. go directly to that person. If someone offends us, we go to that person directly. There's no need to go to anybody else. At this point, we go to that person right away. And, um, and, and talk to them in person. Uh, I would say even emails and phone calls are not as good as face-to-face communication. It can wait. Most things can wait. Uh, you know, because email, it's, it's hard to communicate tone. Right. <laughs> so you may think this is perfectly calm tone, but, you know, maybe your aggressive language uh, may, may not be all that helpful. So we go directly to that person without involving others, unless after we go to that person, they are unwilling to listen. But at stage one, you do not need backup. But if that person does not listen, you take one or two others along. So now is when you involve other people and you come back. And if they still don't wanna listen, then you bring it to the community. Now, this isn't through gossip. This isn't just kind of spreading it. It is saying to the community, listen, there is an issue. This person was unwilling to hear me out. So notice what I'm saying here. nobody's assuming that the other person is in the wrong at this point. What we're asking is for the other person to listen. I, I believe that word is is said uh, three times here. If he refuses to listen to them. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. We're not looking like uh, this is not uh, an example where, where we have show trials where we just expect the person to, to have their signed confession ready. Right. mm. <laughs> Right. So if they are faced with the ac- accountability of the whole assembly, the whole church, and they still don't listen, then let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. So let's parse this a little bit. Is Matthew suggesting shunning the person? Is this banishment? I would say uh, quite the contrary. So uh, yes, the person is uh, perhaps not welcome at the church. Maybe they're excommunicated. Uh but the hope is always for reconciliation. And uh, so this, it's interesting the tie into this week's reading from Romans. And it talks about how our generosity as Christians to outsiders is like heaping burning coals on them. And again, this is not a reference to scorching their face. Up. Right. <laughs> this is that their outsiders experience of our generosity. Uh, those who harm us when we, uh, uh, when we receive harm and give them generosity back when we heap coals over them, what the idea is warming, um, is winning them over. After all, Matthew is a tax collector, mm. right? Right. Zac- yes. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and Jesus loved sinners into repentance. The goal is restoration. So yes, sure. They are barred from the assembly. Maybe, um, But there is always a chance for reconciliation. So this is very different than than just shunning and saying you are never, we are not conversing. uh, You you are dead to me. The point, the whole point of this is reconciliation. When we have an issue with someone else in the assembly, in in the church, we go with the humility that we may be the one who is in the wrong, because that's what we're looking for is for them to listen. Now, if they don't listen to us because we're in the wrong, and we bring back these two witnesses. The witnesses are there to, 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 we want them to hear us out. And for the person to say, listen, that is not what happened, blah, 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 blah. And then like reconciliation can happen because you have witnesses, you have other people involved. But uh, there are people who talk about systems theory and, and churches can be dysfunctional systems because of this idea called of, of triangulation. Instead of just going directly to the person that we have an issue with, we go to uh, the other side of the triangle. We, we, we pull another person in. And, and that is a really, really unhealthy thing. We want to go to people. We want to clear the air. Um, and so we want that person to listen, not robotically agree. Um, and the point is to, to, to deal with things directly, to not go behind their back and gossip about them and ruin their reputa- reputation. But the goal is to reconcile. For them to listen, for you to listen. But if they are unwilling to listen, then you bring in others and then the church.
1: Thank you for parsing that, because um, this, for me, has always been uh, kind of one of the the quote hard sayings of the Bible mm. unquote. Mm. This passage, um, it's uh, it it, it uh, requires parsing and wise parsing, so that's uh, that's really helpful. Uh, it's I, I imagine that in the eras of the church, that the way that church discipline works, threading the needle properly, exercising both. Um, judgment and a spirit of reconciliation restoration reconciliation and restoration has been a hard balance mm-hmm. of um, We are probably in an era that errs probably too much on the side of uh, avoiding judgment and just um, urging restoration without proper um, kind of proper pe- penance and, um, and and judgment uh, and so we look back at past uh, eras of the history in which Kind of more rigorous church discipline was done and we 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 have trouble i think even picturing it um uh, there are times i think when church discipline might be might be used abusively for example communion refused um, we know uh, one Christopher in 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 our former tradition in methodism uh, do you <laughs> know, know what the story i'm going to tell Oh, John yeah. Wesley uh, was in love with a woman in the Carolinas or Georgia, some, somewhere in the, in the colonies. This is actually part of the reason, I think, why once he went back to England, he always said he hated the colonies and like never mm. was going to go back. And, um, he fell in love with a, a woman, and she said no when he asked her to marry him, and so he refused her communion at the altar rail uh, for, for some other, I think, probably trivial reason. Um, And so I think you probably, listener, you probably have other examples of church discipline gone wrong that you probably know. But um, I think in, as Christians, we believe in authority, that authority is good and godly. And uh, as Americans, it's I think incredibly difficult to submit to authority. And even as these words come out of my mouth and I'm exhorting you to submit to authority, I know that I myself am an American. I swim in that soup. And I, if I were admonished by my priest or my bishop, would would really probably buck against that yoke and yet it's good for us right all christians are in the end monarchists right christopher we look for the day when we will bow the knee and submit to the one true king and so um the church on earth is is a type and a shadow of of the true kingdom kingdom right with the monarch and authority and submission which is to come and so we should see echoes of that in the way that we submit To um, to authority in the church, Uh, and the last thing I want to say about this passage is this last lovely little passage, last lovely little verse, verse twenty. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. My son Simon, my ten-year-old boy, uh, when we pray evening prayer together, um, and this prayer is in morning prayer as well, um, at the very end there is uh, the prayer of uh, John Chrysostom that we pray and that prayer has a passage that he loves and it goes like this almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplications to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved son that ready for it. When two or three are gathered together in his name, you will grant their requests. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. And so uh, we'll talk later, um, both this episode and in future episodes, um, uh, in, in in Anglicanism and in other churches, church bodies that have this cycle of morning and evening prayer. Um, this prayer is prayed every day, twice a day, at the beginning and at the end. Um, and that we uh, we 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 pray back to God His promise that mm. where two or three are gathered in His name, He will grant their requests. So that's um, uh, that's lovely, and uh, it's great that Simon loves that. I love that so much. Yes. Any other thoughts on this passage, Chris, uh, Christopher? Before we go to our theology segment,
2: actually, yeah. I mean, uh, we are Americans, and we hate authority, and we hate <laughs> we don't want people telling us what we can and can't do, and and we. We kind of feel entitled to things, and so, um, the, like you said, the idea of of being disciplined and being refused communion is something that that just um, kind of raises our hackles, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and so so I want to point out that that uh, it's it's not necessarily punitive all the time, and, and it really isn't. Like in many cases, it is a mercy. Yes. Uh, on a person to, to refuse them communion. Uh, because as as you read 1 Corinthians and you read Paul's mm. warnings and admonitions about uh, examining yourself before you come forward for communion, uh, a priest should only re- refuse communion to somebody uh, for very specific reasons. Now, a priest may be in the wrong. Um, very quickly, I'm just going to read Um, Our prayer book, uh, it's no secret. Uh, It's not like we have our secret (laughs) manual that says these are the ways that you could keep people from having communion. Um, (laughs) uh, it's, it's, It's in the prayer book for everyone to see on page 143 concerning discipline at Holy Communion. And here's what it says. If the priest knows that a person who is living a notoriously evil life intends to come to communion, and I'll stop here. Uh, notor- Some of these words change over time. Notoriously evil just means very obvious, like it's apparent to everybody. Um, so it could be a scandal that for other people to see a, a somebody who has very obvious sin, um, unrepentant sin coming forward. Um, and, and so it's a scandal not only to this believer but also to the community. Um, it, it, so if a priest knows that this person uh, is going to come, it tends to come to communion, the priest shall privately instruct that person not to come to the Lord's table until he or she is given clear proof of repentance and amendment of life. Uh, so, so, I mean, this, this is talked about, this isn't uh, done at the table. Um, this is done ahead of time uh, because we want that person, we don't want to punish that person. Uh, you know, as as we'll cover it when we talk about morning prayer, is it like God desire, desires not the death of sinners, but they should repent of their sin and, 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 and live and be forgiven of their sin. Um, uh, the priest shall follow the same procedure with those who have done wrong to their neighbors and are a scandal to the other members of the congregation, not allowing such persons to receive communion until they have made restitution for the wrong they have done. When the priest sees that there's enmity between members of the congregation, the priest shall speak privately to each of them, telling them that they may not receive communion until they have forgiven each other. Again, this is a mercy and protection on mm. them so that they are not coming forward unworthily. Um And again, we come forward worthily based on Christ's merits, not our own, but we do need to repent of our sin. And if the person or persons on one side truly forgive the other and desire and promise to make up for their faults, those on the other side refuse to forgive, the priest shall allow those who are penitent to come to communion, but not those who are obstinate. In all such cases, so so there's accountability for the priest too. In all such cases, the priest is required to notify the bishop as soon as possible within 14 days the most, giving the reasons for refusing communion. I've never refused anyone communion. But if I did, I would be required to report that to my bishop. Uh, we're not allowed to just do this, you know, uh, wantonly, uh, randomly. Uh, but but uh, we're given, uh, I think, really godly guidance. Yeah. And I would say, I would add from the
1: lay side of things, from those of us in the pews, um, we, we have read to us at the beginning of Advent and the beginning of Lent, uh, the yeah. exhortation um, yeah. And uh, in the exhortation, we're reminded of St. Paul's admonition that those who eat, uh, partake, drink of the cup, and uh, eat of the body unworthily, eat and drink their own damnation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's, and so that's, we ought to protect them from that. Yeah. 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 Yep. Shall we move on to theology? Yeah, let's move on to theology. So we are, in our theology segments over the next several weeks, I'm going to be working our way through several of the basic offices in the prayer book. And so let's define some, uh, some vocabulary very quickly. Um, offices is kind of an old-timey word for services, some of the basic Christian services. Um, when we get together to worship or, um, or to celebrate a wedding or a funeral, or Holy Communion. Um, what is it that we, we get to, that we do when we get together? Why do we do it? Where did it come from? Why do we do it this way and not another way? These are, these are good questions, and they're actually answers to all these questions. And they're good reasons to think through this. And uh, we figured we'd start with uh, morning prayer, because every day starts with the morning. <laughs> so um, morning prayer, since the English Reformation, The daily office has been the two principal services for English speaking Christians. Now, what do I mean by the daily offices? The daily offices are morning and evening prayer. Where did these come from? Um, They come from their conflations and simplifications and combinations of what used to be before the Reformation a bunch of different series of services that were prayed by monks in monasteries. Um, and this was called the Liturgy of the Hours. And the hours were Matins, lauds, Prime, Terce, Sext, None, Vespers, and Compline. <laughs> and this practice actually um, came from the earliest centuries of Christianity, who inherited it from the pre-Christian hours of prayer that were observed in the Jewish temple. So in the temple in Jerusalem, there would have been hours of prayer, um, liturgies that were continually recited so that when people would come into the temple, there would be constant prayer um, going on.
2: And we see this in the book of Acts. We see Peter and, 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 and James going to the temple to pray at, at kind of the specified hours. And do you know where I believe uh, this comes from, Kirk? Tell me. Psalm 119. Verse 164. Uh the psalmist writes, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. And um so we have not seven but eight times a day. They threw one in just for good measure. Um don't want to do the bare minimum, Kirk. Do you wanna do you wanna wear the minimum amount of flair? I mean more is better. (laughs) That's the American way, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, my my, yeah, it it absolutely was inherited from, from from the Jews, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, now, with the English Reformation, in the first Book of Common Prayer in 1549, uh, Thomas Cramner, one of my, my real heroes of the faith, uh, he was the Archbishop of, Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, you know, which, was, which is the head primate in the Church of England. That is, that is to say, sort of a mini-pope, right? The, um, the head of the English Church. It's, I shouldn't use, use the, the, the word pope. Uh, that's, that ecclesiology is a bit different, but the head of the Church of England in important ways. All right. He, uh, in this Book of Common Prayer, he combined the first three services of the day into a single service called Matins, um, which just means morning. Um, and then he combined uh, the last two into a service called Evensong, uh, which oftentimes has been called Vespers um, and later just became Even Prayer. You can sing it and call, call it Evensong, which we do at our house and, and uh, at, at one of our churches, St. Andrews, on Sunday evenings. And the rest of the services were abolished. And he did this for a particular reason. He wanted to deprofessionalize the hours of prayer. Um, you see, by the Middle Ages, um, the church was theoretically, well, no, in practice, really, in, in reality, praying the hours. Um, and, uh, and yet it was actually the clergy only that were praying the hours. And really, it was um, it was only a portion of the clergy, the monastic clergy, uh, what were called the, uh, the secular clergy or the regular orders, that is, parish priests. Um, they were they were doing different things. Um, they were actually probably praying a bunch of different masses um, by the by the fifteenth and sixteenth century, um, but they were not praying the hours. So so the a portion of the church it was kind of being farmed out. It was kind of being farmed out. Um, just like maybe your company um, farms out its IT work to people who are really good at it and know about it, uh, the Christians, Christendom was in many ways farming out the Prayer of the Hours. And Thomas Cramner wanted to wanted to bring it back to all people, put it in the parish pews and in the hands of the laity around uh, um, at, on their knees, by their bed, and at the dinner table. And this is really, um, it remains, uh, as much as Anglicanism is, Kind of a wax nose and in shambles and embarrassment in, a, in maybe a, a bunch of different ways. Um, this remains kind of the great, one of the great contributions that, that we've offered to English speaking Christianity, Christianity all over the globe actually is uh, the daily offices, morning and evening prayer. And so we want to talk about morning prayer. Um, morning prayer um, begins with confession and absolution. Um, there's a, there's an opening uh, kind of invocation uh, not in, not invocation. Let me get, let me get my vocabulary correct. Um, there's a, there's an open, uh, uh the officiant says to the people, dearly beloved, the scriptures teach us to acknowledge our many sins and offenses, not concealing them from our heavenly father, etc." And then we pray this, uh, this lovely prayer of confession, which later on I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. Um, it's lovely. And if you pray it long enough, morning and evening, um, It just, uh, it flows from you like a cow gives milk and it creates really reliable grooves in your soul. And it's uh, really soaked in scripture. Um, And then um, there comes uh, really an echo out of Psalm 51. O Lord, open thou our lips. uh, The officiant says, and the people say back "And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to save us. Uh, O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. And you might be saying to yourself right now, hey, wait a minute, Kirk. Isn't that how you begin uh, your uh, your podcast every week? And that is, that is, uh, in Latin, that's called the Gloria Patre. Um, And we pray that, Christopher, so much in morning and evening prayer, don't we? so much it's it's a beautiful refrain yeah it is so good to praise the triune god and so we open our morning prayer by saying glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen Um, and we'll say that again several more times because it's worth saying and then um comes something um, from psalm 95 um, o come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. And uh, Psalm 95, we pray every morning, every morning. It's there, kabam. And uh, um, there are some verses at the end. It takes a dark turn. <laughs> and some, some of prayer books in Anglicanism have, have said they're, they're, um, they may be omitted. Um, listener, Except in you, Lent. <laughs> yes. yes lif, listener, if you uh, want to look up Psalm 95, it ends. It suddenly pivots. To today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works. And we think that's a reference, what to the waters of Meribah, when Moses in anger um, yeah. smashed the rock and, and water poured forth. Yeah. And then comes, honestly, the most lengthy part of morning and evening prayer, right? The Psalms. <laughs> so yeah. this morning um we we have a 30 day cycle of psalms that we pray so you uh, if you pray morning and evening prayer in a month you will pray all of the psalms the entire Psalter which um even before there were hymn books uh, in church pews this was the um this was the hymnal for Judaism and it remains the hymnal for us um this morning our psalms are psalm 15 16 17 and um And we end the Psalms on the last Psalm. We end with, again, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. And then we have an Old Testament lesson. Um, Depending upon the prayer book that you use, there have been different lectionaries. Um, uh, The prayer book has been revised from time to time, and that's okay. Um, 1549, 1552, 1559. Uh, there was one in the early 1600s, I forget what the win that was, 1662 at the restoration of the monarchy and the church. Um, in America, we have 1789 after the revolution, we needed our own prayer book. Uh, seven, what we have 1792 um, in America, 1928 in 1979, and then now 2019. To complicate things, in England now, there are prayer book parishes, and then there are common worship parishes. And I don't even know what common worship is. So if we have a, a, a listener who is more familiar with common worship, uh, please DM us and, and help explain to us what that lectionary is and why it's different. Um, but you'll have an Old Testament lesson. And folks, these are long. These lessons are long because the idea is um that you'll go through a bulk of the scripture through the course of the year. So for example, today in our Book of Common Prayer, um, it was an entire chapter out of Second Samuel. Um, it was second Samuel 21. And then we begin um, when we have the lessons, Christopher, we alternate between scripture and then singing back God's praise. And so the first canticle, um, that we sing or say in morning prayer is the Te which Martin Luther called the oldest hymn of the church. Uh, and this is traditionally attributed to St. Jerome. Christopher, do you know how reliable that is? Or is that fairly murky? I, I do not. I yeah. don't know. So, uh, but an old church father, and this is a, uh, this is a powerful, um, uh, uh old ancient hymn. We praise you, O God. We acclaim you as Lord. All creation worships you, the Father everlasting. To you, all angels, all the powers of heaven, the cherubim and seraphim continually do cry, holy, holy, holy. Lord God of power and might. And listener, you might notice that scripture is being summoned from all different pockets, right? We have the throne room scene in Isaiah. Um, we invoke the praise of the, the noble fellowship of prophets, the glorious company of apostles, the white robed army of martyrs, the church throughout the world acclaims you. Um, the, all members of the Trinity are praised. Um, and so it's lovely and we recommend,
2: we recommend that. It's a beautiful Kirk? hymn. Yes, do you know what is not present in that prayer? Tell me. The word I. Oh yeah. It's we 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 we. Well, yes. it's it's mostly you, God. Yes. <laughs> like you God. But but then but then it is yeah, yeah. Yes. um first person plural but but my, my point was um it, it's not bad to say god i this god i that right um but um sometimes it's good for our prayers to focus on the person and character of god and what he has done
1: yeah no you're right now that you notice now that you point that out you christ are the king of glory when you took our flesh to set us free you humbly chose the virgin's womb you overcame this thing of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers you were seated at god's right hand in glory we believe that you will come to be our judge. Very good point.
2: Yes, we are yeah, singing yeah, back to
1: God, his attributes.
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as between first and second person pronouns, the ratio is <laughs> way in favor of second person you. Yeah. And, and very, um, you know, it starts with we praise you. I, I mean, just glancing, I see maybe two uh, we. So, so two, you know, first person plural. So yeah. just, 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 just an interesting point. Yeah. Then comes the New Testament lesson. And through the course of the year, if you pray both
1: morning and evening, you'll work your way through the bulk of the New Testament. Um, This morning's reading was from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And then we have another canticle. This is the Benedictus or the song of Zechariah. This is the song that Zechariah sings after his son, John, who will become John the Baptist, is born. And he had his speech robbed from him because of his lack of faith that Elizabeth would become pregnant. And so the first thing he does when his speech comes back is he sings this song, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people to set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, etc. And Christopher, at the end of this canticle, what do we pray or what do we sing?
2: Glory be to the Father and to the (laughs) Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen ah uh, yes then we then we recite the apostles creed this is the
1: shortest and the oldest statements of faith in the church um i believe in god the father almighty of heaven and earth oftentimes it's called our baptismal creed because it was prayed at our it was recited at our baptism as a statement of faith and then we pivot to the prayers um and we have uh, uh thomas kramner um did not uh this is the thing about the english reformation um, this wasn't a revolution. Um, this retained all of the godly, ancient wisdom um, that was in uh, Catholic practice, um, only, uh, only excising and changing um, that which had kind of lost the plot or become corrupted. Um, but um, here we have uh, uh, an old, ancient invocation, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, let us pray. Um, this is a direct English translation, translation of um the latin called the prayer in the latin church um and if and with your spirit sounds odd to you it was just a direct translation of the latin which doesn't translate well into english Uh, uh, what is it et cum spirito tuo like and with uh, like and with your soul like the lord be with your soul and your soul too right let us pray and then we pray another ancient thing an ancient prayer the Kyrie eleison Lord have mercy upon us. Christ have mercy upon us. Lord have mercy upon us. And Christopher, I believe that that traces that pattern of prayer traces back all the way back to the apostolic roots of the church, correct?
2: I believe so, yes. yeah.
1: Then we pray the Lord's prayer. Um, and then we have a, a series of suffrages that are pulled directly from Scripture and directly from the Psalms. Um, oh Lord show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. And um we'll link a sh- we'll link to all this stuff and I'd like you to click on the link listener and we'll send you to a website that kind of auto generates the daily prayer for you. And what you'll notice is this this is scripture chanted back and forth between um the officiant and the congregation and um we pray scripture back back to God in a lovely day lovely way. And or, then we have- or
2: or if you're on your own um you pray it all yourself. Yes.
1: Yes. Yep. And it may seem odd the first couple of times, but I promise you, it will not seem odd um, after the first handful of times. It'll become beautiful and lovely. Um, then we have the collects. Christopher, isn't that such a silly word? But why do we call these prayers the collects?
2: Well, they are a collection of the of the thoughts, um, kind of focused. Um, so usually it's the collection, uh, the collect of the day would be... A, a prayer focused on the scripture readings for the day but these are co- colics these are these are collected thoughts handed down to us um that are thematic so we have one f- uh for strength to await christ's return for the renewal of life for peace for grace for guidance for endurance and i think i prayed and shared the prayer of endurance uh, which i love uh, last week and in, in a colic for sabbath rest
1: mm, mm-hmm yeah Absolutely. So um, we have the, the collect for the day, and then we have the, uh, the there are two morning prayer collects um, that we pray. And uh, let me pull those up because I had I'd left the page. Um, but those are kind of reliably there. They're constant uh, every day. And uh, so those are kind of fixed points and other points that move around, like the scriptures and the Psalms. And um, those are, are great and reliably, again, Create grooves, grooves in our soul, and then we end with uh, with uh, the Great Thanksgiving, um, which is a prayer that kind of wraps up. It it praises God and gives thanks to God. Um, uh, my son George, uh, very comically, has this memorized so that he can mm. say it all in like ten seconds. Christopher, have I ever shared that video with you? No. <laughs> I should I should send it to you. It's funny, but that that's not how we actually pray it, but. then we end with the prayer of st john chrysostom Uh, we read that in the previous section it appeals to god's promise that when two or three are gathered together in his name we'll grant their requests then there's a dismissal um let us bless the lord thanks be to god and then we have an invocation from romans chapter 15 a trinitarian ending Um, Oftentimes in Anglicanism, just kind of shortened to the grace. Um, So if you're ever around Anglicans and they say, uh, would you like to say the grace? This is what they're referring to. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. And we always end our our podcast with that, Christopher. So that is Mm -hmm. a reliable bookend here in our podcast. And that is not from Romans 15. I'm wrong. That's not <laughs> from Romans 15. That's an, it's, a, it's an ending to a, a different one of Paul's epistles and I forget what it is. Second
2: Corinthians 13, 14. Is That's that, right. Yeah. That's
1: right. So I want to just, uh, I want to just talk about um, a, a couple of things as uh, I'd like you really, if you've got time, tap on the link in our show notes, take a look at this. And I want to talk about, I want to speak more personally now. Um, I've been, sort of quote-unquote reading the Wikipedia entry. I've not been reading the Wikipedia entry. I've been going through the Book of Common Prayer. Um, but I've been kind of explaining uh, kind of uh, bit by bit uh, what, how, how this office works. But I want to speak from the heart now and, and, and tell you why I love it and why I hope that someday you would love it. Um, first of all, uh, you have Thomas Cranmer's somberly magnificent prose. Um, and he echoes in, in, in some of the things that he writes Uh, Hebrew parallelism, which is uh, Mm. the structure of poetry um, that's used in the Psalms. And he had a really good ear for this. And Cranmer's uh, English still sings forth. It still roars forth in ways that mu- move the English-speaking soul in the 21st century. And I want to give you some examples. And I'm going to use by an example the opening prayer of confession, Christopher, which is so good. And I want you to notice, I'm going to stop every so often and, and, and point out the Hebrew parallelism. Um, uh, listener, If you if you think about your favorite Psalms, You'll notice that every verse says, it says something and then it says it in a different way. It echoes it, right? Um, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? I shall not want is sort of an echo of the Lord is my shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul is an echo of, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Um, So here's the confession of sin. Almighty and most merciful father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. Um, we have erred and strayed, erred and strayed, right? Um, so we have, we, he says it two different ways. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. So we have there both alliteration and parallelism, right? We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And of course, that parallelism is, is obvious. And there is no health in us. All right, do you hear the crescendo and the climax? Every line got shorter. Um, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much of the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. Do you hear? Um, every, we, we start with this mountain of sin, and then, it, and then the climax of the prayer is, and there is no health in us. But now there's a pivot and an appeal to Christ's mercy. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them which are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Jesus Christ our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. So the prayer begins. If you're looking at this in your prayer book, with we, 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 we have erred and strayed. We have followed too much the devices and desires. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone. And then there's a pivot, but thou, O Lord. So do you see, Christopher, our sin fills up the first half of the prayer, and then there's a pivot to appeal to God's tender mercies, which blot out our sins. Mm -hmm. So all of these literary devices and techniques, they're not obvious, but they're there, lurking under the surface, and they take on great power, particularly when they're prayed by a congregation together. Um, This prayer continues to um, very charismatically make the hair on my neck uh, stand on end when I'm uh, with a congregation that's praying it. uh, I, what else do I what What else do I want to say about this? Ah, oh, yes. Um, uh, some of you listeners who come from evangelical background, background backgrounds <laughs> or are currently in evangelical situations, um, it may strike you and you may find it a little odd and maybe um, a problem that uh, most of morning prayer and we'll talk another another day about evening prayer um, is uh, is there for you to pray. There, are, uh, there, there is a, a spot where your, your personal um, prayers are, are, where we pause for people to pray their own personal prayers. Um, but most of it is there for you. And I have two things to say about that. Um, there has been a time in English-speaking Christendom when the prayer book was embolished. Uh, in 1645, uh, the, the, the church was embolished by Presbyterians and, um, and Proto-Baptists in the English Civil War. And uh, the... Um, there were no bishops. There was no prayer book, and uh, in fact, the Puritans who won the English Civil War, Christopher, they we 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 as we libertarians like to point out how um, how free the Puritans were, right? Well, Puritans forbade prayer book worship even in homes, mm. um, and so there's a funny anecdote in uh, Alan Jacobs' uh, The Book of Common Prayer, a biography, where he notes um uh, a uh, a presbyterian minister was complimented at the end of a funeral service for his moving extemporaneous prayers <laughs> over the over over the uh, the gravesite and he whispered he's like i just used the book of common prayer <laughs> which was officially forbidden um here's the problem um yes extemporaneous prayer from the heart god loves it um but i have to confess to you christopher um that most of the time I don't have the inspiration to pray the prayers that my heart truly needs. And so it's so reliable to have um, prayer that's been prayed over and thought, thought about in advance by the saints that came before. Um, and that when my heart just doesn't have it to pray to God, what my heart would otherwise need to pray. As we're promised in scriptures, right? The spirit intercedes with us with um, with groans deeper than words.
2: Um, what if those groans well, have- Why? Been why? <laughs> uh, for, we do not, for we do not know how we ought to pray, but yes. the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Yes. So I
1: am grateful. I am grateful that when I don't have the words, that those words are there. And I promise you, listener, if you try it, you in the end too will be grateful for words
2: that aren't there. So Christopher, I've just said lots and lots and lots. So I pass this over to you yeah I'll, so i'll just add a little bit it's it's comforting to me so it's like well this kind of arbitrary like why this prayer book why these why this set of prayers well uh it's not like they came up with these yesterday or a week ago or 5 years ago or 1970 um th- these prayers maybe uh, there've been a t- there's been a tweak here and there but for hundreds of years by hundreds of millions of people these prayers have been prayed um, these mm. are the prayers that uh you know queen victoria prayed that jane austen prayed uh, these are the prayers that um that that, that coal miners prayed uh, and so it's comforting knowing that we're joining our brothers and sisters throughout um time and throughout the world today uh in 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 prayer and praise. And so that's one thing I want to say, but the other thing is, is something I've mentioned before in the podcast and, and this principle of Lex Orandi, Lex credendi, Lex vivendi, uh, which, which is a Latin phrase that, that means that, that basically instead of saying the literal meaning, I'll just basically it means that the way that we pray forms, how we believe, which forms how we live. And, uh, I mean, that it, – it, so that puts a lot of importance on the way we pray. And so when we pray Scripture, when we pray the Psalms, and when we pray um, uh, these prayers that are just uh, just filled with Scripture, that forms us in the right ways. We believe that liturgy – we are liturgical people because liturgy is formative. It forms our faith. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I would never uh, – do away with extemporaneous prayer uh, during our church services every time before i preach i pray an extemporaneous prayer um and there's there are spaces for extemporaneous prayer but there are there are, there are also ways that um that uh, the church and 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 the wisdom that has come before us collects um and and kind of gives us a focus for our prayer and and i really really appreciate that
1: um yeah, yes, Christopher, well said. I'll, I'll just say two things and we'll wrap this up because you, um, you and I love morning prayer so much that we're just kind of talking and talking. Mm. I'm just kind of talking and talking. Um, I, I sometimes say this, and I, I mean this lovingly. Um, uh, everyone at Christmas, Easter, mm. at their wedding, and at their deathbed wants to be an Anglican. <laughs> and mm. the reason I say that basically is because of the prayer book. Um, at, at, at your most somber moments, you used words from the Book of Common Prayer to solemnize um, what was happening and to make sense of the powerful spiritual moment around you. Um, and all good Baptists and Presbyterians and non-denominational evangelicals use prayer book stuff on Christmas and on mm-hmm. Easter and at their wedding and at their funeral. And I'm going to quote to kind of wrap this up, a Roman Catholic historian who is sad about the English Reformation, and yet he says this about the, um, the 1559 Book of Common Prayer, Queen Elizabeth's Book of Common Prayer. He makes the melancholy observation about the power of uh, the Elizabethan Prayer Book for English Chris- Christians. He says, quote, "'The conformity of the majority of Englishmen "'did not mean the end of traditional religion. "'Instead, slowly, falteringly, much reduced in scope, depth and coherence it reformed itself around the rituals and words of the book of common prayer thomas cramner's somberly magnificent prose read week by week entered and possessed their minds and became the fabric of their prayer the utterance of their most solemn and their most vulnerable moments Mm. and i would humbly say that that's where i am and that's what it's become for me
2: Kirk, let's move on to our culture segment. Let's do that.
1: All right, Christopher, you and I were uh, brainstorming. What do we want to talk about culture? And those conversations usually uh, rotate around, what have you read recently? Have you read anything fun? What have you watched recently? And I mentioned that I, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I watched Mad Max Fury Road, but uh, that, that wouldn't be good fodder for, for our podcast. What you, you're like, no, that'd be amazing. And of course, I mean, um, post-apocalyptic literature and filmography or cinematography is everywhere. And surely um, there's something in our culture that's screaming out for it, um, and you loved it. So, um, Christopher, I'm going to toss this over to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you think this is worth talking about on a Christian podcast.
2: I think Mad Max Fury Road is worth talking about because it is great cinema.
1: It is so great.
2: <laughs> it is it is so good. And so I, I need to just say up front, I have not seen any of the other Mad Max movies. So they're fine. Mel Gibson made, I think, three Mad Max movies in the 1980s that, that, to me, look kind of unappealing. Uh, and honestly, when I saw the trailer for this movie, it looked extremely unappealing. It was just, you know, desert and... and. It made me thirsty just watching the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, it, it just it has a weird look to it as far as just, if you're not in the if you're not introduced to the movie in the way the movie introduces itself to you, um, you're, if you're just thrown in the way you're thrown into a trailer uh, when you're watching a trailer, if you're just thrown in and you see this post-block of world, it just looks weird, you know? Yeah. And, and so, uh, but, but the way the story is told is incredible. Uh, I am amazed at the, First of all, it's a great movie. But second of all, when you actually read, um, there's been a lot written about this movie in that just the difficulty in getting it made for a lot of reasons. Uh, They were going to film it in Africa in this desert, but then it had like this once a century rainstorm. (laughs) And suddenly there's water in the desert and they couldn't film it. And it was delayed year after year after year after year. And uh, when they actually did film it, I mean, here's the thing is, I would love to, Kirk, how many pages long do you think a script would be as far as just the spoken words, not the stage direction, but the script? Not not like stage direction as far as, you know, uh, this car goes really fast. Right. <laughs> 30, 30 pages? 50 not pages? Not a lot. But George Miller is able to tell a story – with motion and um, in, in very effective ways. And, and so I don't even know how he would have explained what he's doing. And I guess when you actually read up on it, uh, there was conflict in the set between these great actors between Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron. Really? Uh, partly because like it wasn't communicated well to them like what it was that they were doing. Um, so it's really amazing that this movie came, came together to be the, the, the outstanding cinema that it is. That said, I don't know that it's for everyone. Um, uh, but my hope is that that you would get that you the listener if you haven 't seen it that you' would give it a chance um and what did it so kirk introduced this as, as as kind of post apocalyptic cinema and and so uh we very quickly introduced this character max uh who uh everything you need to know about this world you find out right away, yeah kind of without narration i think uh there there's a voice there's honestly like okay. a twenty second voiceover okay like nuclear apocalypse
1: here we are kabam.
2: yeah. Right. And so 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 Max gets captured um by clearly these powerful people. Um and you know they live at this place called the Citadel and there are people there there they're, they're, they're the, clearly the haves and the have-nots and, and this guy named Morton Joe um who is uh very sickly looking but puts on kind of these costumes to make him look muscular and mm-hmm. and uh, vir- virile, and um and he releases water to the people but just for a little bit and tells them do not be addicted to water and yes. And um, and so he sends out uh, his hench woman Furiosa on a typical supply run. So they are at the Citadel. They're the place that has water. Is that what they have? Right. And that's that's pretty much it. And they're gonna go to like Gas Town to get gasoline, <laughs> to get right. gasoline, and Bullet Town to get bullets or something. And what happens is Furiosa's like halfway there. When she takes a complete detour and just escapes with this, uh, with this, uh, what's big the word rig. I'm looking for? Well, not just the big rig, but, but the whole like entourage as well. Yeah. 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 Um, and what she's done is she snuck out. Um, she is snuck out the, the, the wives of immortal Joe. She's, she is, um, she has turned in secret. And said, uh, I have turned against this strong leader. And I'm going to bring these girls to basically the promised land. I remember that there's a place beyond all these things. What did she call it? The green space or the green place? The green place. Yeah. yeah. Where, so there's nothing here, but death and sand and dryness. And uh friend if you haven't seen it, let's just, um, just press pause and go watch it. Cause yeah. we're going to go spoiler heavy here. So so at this point, um, uh, not only does Morton Joe not like that she has gotten away with his brides, <laughs> um, so he summons help from Gasoline Town and, and from-, from uh, And it's also important to point out that, that everything is ugly until yes. the moment that, that, that,
1: these, that these women are smuggled <laughs> out from, and it's clear that like, they are what is left of that is beautiful and lovely and, and delicate in a, in a world that's kind of brutal and ugly. And mm-hmm. so you as a viewer, in instantly you get in your gut that it's important to preserve these women at all mm-hmm. costs because mm-hmm. they're like the one good, true, beautiful thing that's left in the world, right? Wouldn't you say that's true? So immediately yeah. we're like, oh. Yeah, so so, so
2: initially they're hidden because like, um, you know. She smuggles the Furiosa, smuggling them out. smuggles yeah. them out. But at, at one point she lets them out into the cab like once they're kind of... Um, a little bit uh, ways away, you know. It's like they can't be in this confined space forever. lets them out, and, and yeah, your acre—that's a powerful thing. So not only do they have three different powerful kind of empires. I mean, these are small empires, but like, right. um, but with their with their post apocalyptic bizarre vehicles right. uh, and and weapons and and like. The, the, the guys at the poles that are, like, 15 feet above the ground that kind of swoop down and attack them. And the guy with the guitar when he plays it. He's his blind. Blood, like fire <laughs> yeah. goes, comes out. Right. <laughs> I mean, this this world that he creates is incredible. But yeah. there are also um just kind of uh, people who live in between here and there um, who have cars and weapons. I mean, this is a dangerous world.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it is, like eat or be eaten and so um they face a lot um and not only that but they face you know it's it's man versus man but it's also man versus nature right mm-hmm. where there's this terrible windstorm and uh and uh max uh, comes along as a prisoner of of immortal joe's men because like they capture people and they what do they tattoo on him oh i on, forget shoot it is his blood type
1: Oh yes, that's right. And he's a universal he's a, donor, so he's yeah. Constantly so he's a blood being, boy. So yeah. they're
2: like, okay, well, we got to chase Furio, so she got away, but we got to bring our blood boy because, like, right. You know. So they strap <laughs> him to the hood of the car because yes. I guess that's what you do with blood boys. Yeah, they <laughs> strap him to the hood of the car, and and um, so we we see kind of the um, uneasy uh, alliance between Max uh, Tom Hardy, who is one of the best actors in the business today and is a pleasure to watch in anything he's in him kind of uh, make a, um, and uneasy- he always
1: has to wear stuff on his face. So yes, yes.
2: true to form, he has something
1: on his face for like the
2: first 40 minutes of the movie, <laughs> just like yep. Bane or, or, uh, Dun-Kirk or in or Dunkirk. Yeah. yeah. He does the best face covered performances. Right. The actor. <laughs> and, uh, and so his uneasy alliance with, with uh, Charlize Theron's Furiosa, um, and again, if you haven't watched it, there's a huge spoiler. They get to like, after a much hard work, they get to the green space. And what do they find? Well, what do they find? It's uh, the
1: water's gone sour. It's been spoiled. It looks like an awful nightmarish marsh, right? Yeah. There's just, there, there is no, gr- and, there, is no, yeah, there is no green space. Yeah. And How so haunting like, is it when they see a tree? Huh. And uh, like, the, what is that? The, the, the war boy is like, let's use that thing and And the lady's like he 's pointing to the tree,
2: just he 'd like never seen a tree f- he 'd yeah. never seen a tree, yeah, like was, for him, it was just a, a post in the ground, yeah right yeah and and so they, they come up with this idea they 're like let 's go back, the mm-hmm. citadel is unguarded, it has water, like that is the green space, except we uh, because it 's undefended, we can get in." and um we will not keep water from the people like we can be a, a, a um, an a, agents of change we just got to get bet- to get back though we got to fight through Immortan joe who's making his way our way in, in, in there. and so um, the the action is is incredible the stunts yes. um so in in an age of cgi um, where you're kind of numb to it and you see Cities, entire cities destroyed on mm-hmm. film. you kind of numb to it. Where this movie is almost entirely practical effects. Like, yes, what, like, and, and and which which your your brain reacts differently to things that are yes. act- tactile. The, 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 yep. Like, there there are actually people like thirty feet off the ground, like diving in trying to like pick the brides off of yes. The- so it's, it's incredible. So I've monologued now, Kirk. Um, I just think it's an amazing, just a masterpiece of cinema, probably one of the top, certainly one of the top five movies of this century. Um, so tell me your thoughts. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say, before I give you my thoughts, you're so right about practical effects versus CGI. Everyone's
1: favorite battle in cinema history, cinema history, cinema history in cinema <laughs> history, the battle of Helm's deep famously took, what, three months to film. Um, be, because uh, Peter Jackson decided this is worth it and worth doing right. Mm. And still, I don't know how many times I've watched that movie. Um, it's gripping, and I'm not sure if the orcs are going to take Helm's Deep. And it's still gripping, and there's something because the actors are there in the rain and at night, and arrows are actually zinging by real real actors, right? So any, anyhow, um, I'll just say this. Uh, I think there are, there's enormous fascination with, Uh, post-apocalyptic literature and um, and cinema, I think because uh, we instinctively understand that social order and social coherence is like the crust of the earth, which actually represents what? Like under 1% of the earth's maths? Mm. Underneath which boils angry magma which can shoot forth at any point in time and so we instinctively get the fragility of our current social order and i won't stray into too much political commentary but we certainly see this in america in august and september of 2020 um, how fragile are actually what we might superficially think of as rigorous social fabric isn't Um, how quickly we can be turned against each other and so um when we watch a post-apocalyptic movie it as ridiculous as some of the stuff may be, um, in our gut it strikes us as pl- plausible, and we're we're drawn in immediately. Um, so I think that I think even like 10 years ago, The Purge um, struck people in their gut as like uh, uh, oddly plausible <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, uh, that that there could coexist at the same time great Wi-Fi, <laughs> jets, all the all the the all the accoutrement of modernity. Along with total social breakdown. Mm. Um, and so that that I think is is instinctively fascinating to us, and it speaks to something. Um, and, and it also then um, we, we see the rise of there 's always a strong man in post post apocalyptic po, literature um, because that echoes history right after mm-hmm. the French Revolution comes Robespierre, then cometh Napoleon right um, in the russian revolution it 's not Kerensky that wins it 's not the liberal democrat right it 's lenin it 's the bloody minded totalitarian, and so a good post apocalyptic story is honest about what comes after the revolution, and it 's the strong man. Right, it's not the rise of liberal democracy, and so I appreciate the honesty of this movie in that regard as well. But the last thing is, what makes—and this is the Christian theme—what makes the harps heart sing most, Christopher? What have we read in in Romans this year that does not disappoint us? Hope, hope, hope does not disappoint. Um, and all the corny lines that we love, Christopher, revolutions are built are what? Is it? Rebellions are built on hope. What's the line from Rogue One? It's corny and I love it, right? Rebellions are lived on hope, are are built on hope. It's worth defining (laughs) hope, though. Yes.
2: (laughs) The the classical definition of hope is not wouldn't it be nice.
1: Yes, that's right.
2: Rather, it is the expectation of what is to come. Yes.
1: And the pivot point in this movie, in Mad Max Fury Road, is the moment that Tom Hardy begins to have he gives in to hope, right? Mm. He had previously said hope is for fools. There mm. is a line to that effect. Remember, Christopher, when he goes off on his own with his own motorcycle? And he gives in to hope. And that is the pivot. And that is why Mad Max is a, actually a Christian movie. <laughs> mm. Or at least has a Christian theme. Right? I like it. Yeah. 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 Any movie that gives into cynicism is in the end mm. anti-Christian. In that regard, mm-hmm. because as Christians, we
2: are ones for whom hope does not disappoint. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I like it because I mean, I, I could just rave about the cinematography, about about just the the way that he uses motion um, and uh, just the yeah. Does he uh, in chases. those passages? Does he speed up to like one point two five or something? At times he does. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a cool effect. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, would you say for you, for, first of all, did Kim like it? Uh, Not as much too many wagons.
1: <laughs> no, no. It had a, it had a weird factor to it It had, okay. had a weirdness that she couldn't quite give herself over to. And that's she where, I, where... It. she was gripped by it. And at the end, she, she would admit, I think that she was gripped by it. I don't know that she would admit to liking it.
2: And that's where I say it's not for everybody because, like, <laughs> I mean, it certainly is weird. Like the blind guitar player playing guitar, flames coming out, and 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 when you see like um, the uh, like the Morton Joe's like uh, stable of of, and I use that word almost pun intended, like of women like hooked up being milked, um, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you, you mother's see, milk they call it, right? yeah yeah i mean you see some bizarre like this is but 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 then when you consider it you're like yeah this is probably what post-apocalyptic like strongman like how we would operate <laughs> right uh, and uh and so I mean, so Mao, uh, Mao, lenin uh um uh, robespierre um weird things happen after but i also the mean po- power. suddenly suddenly um uh like when you have no resources suddenly yeah. uh I don't want to meditate on this too much, but suddenly <laughs> suddenly, like when you have no cows producing milk, I'm sure like human milk would be at a premium is what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Uh, bizarrely. So, so, so anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's uh, the, the performances by, by, especially by Hardy uh, are just arresting, you know, just the looks he can give. Um, and, and if you've ever seen the meme or not the meme, I'm sorry, the gif that's bait. That's where that comes from. Yes. And he was wrong, actually. Was no, he citizen. was right. No, that was bait. The woman up in the cage? That was yes. bait. Well, okay. All right. But it, but was, it, it, it turned g- out it turned out like they had some connection. Okay. Otherwise they right, right, right. Really yeah. killed him and robbed them. Yeah, yeah it that was got bait. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, that
1: gif. Yes, that, that gif is, is from it's there. a That's gif, bait. not a gif. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kirk? Yes. Um, shall we pray? Let's pray.
2: The Lord be with you and with your spirit. O Lord, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Look down, O Lord, from your heavenly throne. Illumine this night with your celestial brightness, and from the children of light banish the deeds of darkness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. O oh God, the source of all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week, Christopher.